Crescendo Studio presents The Way Through. In this series, we interview established players in the New Zealand music industry to find out what they do, how they do it, and how they can help emerging musicians and producers on their way through. This podcast was funded thanks to Recorded Music New Zealand. In today's episode of The Way Through, we're privileged to have Paulie Yeoman and Nikki Thomas in the studio from Nick Knack Media and Lil Sister. Nick Knack Media is a record label that specialises in PR and music management. Recently, they launched Lil Sister, a one-stop media and communications initiative for emerging and unsigned artists. Between them, they have a wealth of knowledge about music management, do's and don'ts, publicity and getting noticed in the industry. I'm your host, Reese Muir. And I'm Dave. But I was sick that day. Welcome to The Way Through, third episode. I'd like to welcome Paula and Nikki to the podcast. Hello. How Hello. are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. So Nick Knack Media and Little Sister are the two companies. Well, I guess <laughs> Nick Knack is the big sister, <laughs> named after Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Knack. She's Nick. <laughs> no, no. In- initially, That's good to know. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> Initially, I mean, Nick can talk to it, but she she left a label job and set up this independent company. Called, yeah, so uh, Nick I, Nick. so I was at Warner Music New Zealand for almost nine years. I was the head of publicity and promotions there, and then I left to start Nick Knack, which was essentially doing what I was doing at Warner, but working with independent artists. So I started out on my own, but then not long after Paula left mm. her journalism radio role to join me, so we started Nick Knack. Started with manage, well, managing an artist, and then we also had the PR side of the business, which was radio plugging, interviews, album campaigns. So essentially what I was doing at Warner, but working with independent artists. So mm. that was how many years? Eight eight years ago? Oh, probably longer. 2015. Uh, so Yeah, yeah. So Nick, 12, 13. Yeah, I saw how much fun Nick was having. <laughs> um, I had always worked in media, and I was also, I was working at MediaWorks, mm. had done a lot of music journalism over the years, and... Yeah, I just saw how much fun she was having. And I'm like, okay, I'm leaving the nine to five. I'm leaving the corporate job. Fun. And yeah, we just, you know, it was a bit of a risk because you never know how these things are going to go. Yeah. Particularly, um, leaving the safety net of paid work and, mm. you know, all the perks that come with it. But I think the excitement of starting something for yourself and, you know, really taking that plunge, it's scary. But then once you get going, it just sort of snowballs. And mm. when you're excited and passionate and yeah. you know what you're doing. And also just, I guess, knowing... There were a lot of independent artists out there that really did need support and direction and the services that we wanted to offer. So, you know, it doesn't always happen straight away. You kind of, you know, put yourself out there and you get a few jobs and that sort of grows. But what became apparent very quickly was there are so many acts, bands, artists who are, you know, in those early stages where they're not signed by labels, Mm. they don't have teams around them, they don't even know what publicity is really, you know. So that became apparent pretty quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Obviously, there's publicists that have been around for a little while, like independent publicists, and they're amazing. But I think as more and more artists aren't with major labels or signed to labels, there's space for contractors or independent publicists like us to come on board and help mm. them with releasing music. So we sort of divided the company into two halves in the beginning, uh, management and publicity and radio plugging. And our management side grew slowly, but the more we got known as managers, we obviously started to get a lot more people coming to us, wanting us to manage them. We've always been very clear that we can only manage a small team because we are a small team and management is pretty full on. We have a tiny management roster and we have Thea, who we have been working with from the very beginning. Mm, She was our our very first 
management artists and she's yeah. still with us, which is um, good. She obviously is has very active. a side project called Takahu. Those two projects alone are enough to keep, <laughs> keep us very busy on the management front. But we also manage Paige, who's an incredible artist signed by Sony Music. And we manage Toy from Wellington. They're like a seven-piece band. They've been going for 10 years and they're pretty, you know, they know the business and they sort of, they're not self-managed because we do manage them, but, you know, they are very proactive, as are all our artists, but mm. I guess they're a bigger band and it's just interesting managing a band versus managing like, an you know, an individual as well. And then we also manage a newer act, oh, sorry, artist called Naneko, who is an incredible mm. artist, but very, very new to it and just taking things slowly. So that's kind of our current management roster. But yeah, a year ago, we set up Lil Sister. The whole point being that Nick Nack had grown quite quickly and, you know, Nick deals with a lot of now international artists, mm. a lot of well, labels. We've become and... quite established, I guess, like Nick Nack is one of the main independent PR brands. So there's only so many people you can work with at one time. And we're working now with, yeah, international artists as well as local artists, but sort of more at the point where they're established and might not be signed to a record label, but they're at that point where you know, people know them. So they've they've cut through, they're getting commercial radio, they're getting chart results and traction. So not that we don't want to be working with new and emerging acts, but we no. just didn't have, purely didn't have the space because everything had grown so quickly and our team had grown. So Paula came up with the idea for Little Sister really to, I guess, to look at artists that were new and yeah. emerging because there's a massive need for it. So it's like how, yeah. like you just can't physically do all that work yourself. Yeah, and we felt a separate brand would be kind of cool because it would, distinguish the acts that we've been working you know we've probably been working with some of these artists for years and years now and they mm. they tour and they're very self-sufficient and they're, they're very well known whereas with Little Sister yeah it felt like there were a whole lot of new artists that hadn't even released music some of them who were coming to Nick Nick and asking if we could do the PR and we just kind of were like well yeah physically no <laughs> because Nick's already busy but also we felt there needed to be, I guess, a service whereby they got to know a bit more about the industry and they were supported a li little bit more in terms of taking those first steps, like what even is publicity? What's the difference between yeah. publicity and digital marketing, for instance, or what is radio plugging? And knowing that, you know, in reality, the chances of you putting out your first single and getting radio play straight away and heaps of media coverage is very Slim. That's mm. the truth of the matter. Even yep. if that's your expectation, <laughs> absolutely, mm. that is very unusual. So what we wanted to be able to do was to have someone dedicated to working with new and emerging acts, and that person is the amazing Kate. And so we wanted to be able to set realistic goals, like to be able to sit down with an artist, come up with a strategy for a single or an EP or whatever it is they're releasing, and be very realistic. What are the goals we know are likely you know, like tailored made to each artist, yeah, right? Like exactly. specific things of and ways do, of starting yeah. out. And what do we think we can achieve? We're helping them to realise that it is a long game, you know? And so, yep, you've got a single coming, but what comes next and like next after that? Like it's far better to strategize across, you know, the space of a year as best you can. I know not everyone can do that, mm. but it is far better to try and have that mindset about, you know, where the single fits into the scheme of things and what are the realistic targets than it is to just, you know, come along, get Nick Nat to do some big campaign and hope mm. for the best. It's like strategy, having some strategy yeah. in place and actually being yeah. thoughtful and 
like your goals and where it is, like not just rushing something out and go boom, 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 just like the long-term where is it that you want to be, especially as a new and emerging act. Like you need to think of these things because it's it's a growing game. Like things don't happen overnight. People think it, it does, but it doesn't. So it's mm. just trying to mm. chip away, I guess, like chip away at certain targets. And so you might start out with your first single, get a couple of blog pickups, or you might even get some radio interviews and just a little bit of traction. But then it, we find like you just grow single by single as your name gets known by the mm. media and also finding the right targets as well. Like if you're a rock artist, you wouldn't really be pitched to like a, a hip-hop station. So it's like really making sure that us, like Nick Nack and the little sister, the artists that we work with, are really honing in to each artist and where they're, mm. where they're suited or where they mm. fit. Because, I mean, one of the questions I think a lot of people ask is, you know, if they've ever had publicity, particularly in the early days, mm. like, what do we pay for? Because, you know, they might not see the best results straight off out the <laughs> gate, you know, and they're yeah. like, what, what do we pay that for? Uh, and, you know, yep. I can see why one would think that. I mean, as a manager, I sometimes think that if we've paid for a campaign for one of our artists and we don't get the results we wanted. But the reality is, one, you cannot actually pay for some expertise, you know, like, mm. you know, whether it's knickknack, whether it's another publicity firm, whoever it is that you get to do the job, you have to trust uh, well, do your research, obviously, mm. know that they do get results and see who they've worked with and what their track record is. But you do have to trust that they know what they're doing, that they have your best interest at heart, and that the strategies they use, they are tried and trusted strategies, as much as they are also taking into account your bespoke set of circumstances. And it's not always through like lack of work or care that the results don't come. It is just that it takes so long sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can truly say, I think if you were to look at a lot of the campaigns that we've run, both Little Sister and Nick Nack over the years for Emerging Acts, eventually the pieces do fit together. Like, they actually do. And it's mm. really cool when you look name, back. Their name starts to get known by the media. Like, you'll go back into a radio station. They're like, oh, yeah, I've been watching this artist. You guys have been sending me their songs or coming in with their songs for the last couple of years now and, and they haven't quite worked but now but they know them as the artists and they've been on their radar and then they'll have the right song. It's like, yeah, let's get them in and let's start start now. So sometimes it takes sometimes it takes months, sometimes it takes a couple of years. It's just like, you know, finding the right fit, finding the right song. But yeah, building that relationship with the media is super key. So that's I think where we come in is like we're like the person in between the artist and the media, like to build that relationship and champion the artist and go yeah no trust us this artist is amazing just come and see them play live or come and check out this song watch this video yeah i hear that time and time again and it still doesn't always compute with people that are like just coming in yes. fresh to the game yeah like going okay you want to be here but do you know how long these people have been working at it like mm. doing the admin in the background mm. and you know a lot of it is just communication communicating with people like building up yes these these track records yeah um, exactly so that all of a sudden when you land at that spot and it clicks you're kind of ready yeah. to go yeah. right yeah and i was thinking about it sometimes when you think oh like when did that album come out from that artist and it's like all of a sudden this still kind of new artist has been around for 10 years yeah. <laughs> since they first came on your radar and how yeah. fast that 10 years goes yeah exactly <laughs> right? yeah. and and that just kind of yeah. goes like like nothing and so I think the key takeaway with that is that it's okay and in reality it should just move along mm. yeah. steadily and consistently. Yeah. So like not not overdoing the first planning stages. Yeah. But it's just like just let it just let it grow. But yeah. I think that's the advice yeah. that comes from industry experience. Mm. It is. And it and you know the other thing is it's not just it's across everything. Like it's it's everything you do. There should be this gradual 
growth. And, you know, of course, we sometimes see this very unusual spike in growth, mm. you know, mm. Benny and Lord are examples of that. Yeah. That is very unusual for a New Zealand artist. The but trend, generally, it takes time. Like, look yeah. at um, LAB as a prime example. LAB yeah. have been gigging for years and years and years. Like, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And now they're, like, you know, one of the biggest artists in the country. Like, their song's been number one for, I don't know, seven weeks in a row or even longer. They sell out, you know, massive stadiums. They're over in Australia at the moment doing massive shows over there. But they haven't popped up overnight. Like, LAB, I mean, we've been seeing them perform for mm. many years in many different incantations as well. So, you know. It's like not yeah. overnight. It's like no. building slowly. It is, it is a very – and that's what you as an artist always want to be trying to do is balance out all the things that make you an artist. You know, what are those things? It's obviously having songs for starters, having good songs. Mm. Of course, at the very heart of it mm. is the music. It has to be good and it has to get better, you know. Like, again, don't beat yourself up if at the beginning, you know, your production isn't as good as it could be or songwriting is not as good as, as it can be because that's what learning and growing as an artist is all about. Particularly if you're a young person, sometimes you don't even know who you are as a young person, let alone who you are as an artist. Yeah. It takes time to go into being yeah. an artist even, you know. So, you know, music, your live show, again, you know, I think the industry can be quite brutal because you're expected to almost mm. hit that stage like, like you know. Mm. Lady Gaga, out the <laughs> yeah, gate. Like you've never, you, <laughs> know, you know, and that's unfair because that's people not, are, yeah, that's not a reality. You know, yeah. I, I get that there are a lot of great programs in schools and stuff now that, you know, Rock Quest and you guys obviously as well, what you do at Crescendo and things like that, whereby you do get to, you know, hone your live chops a bit. But it's a skill that takes a long time and it's hard to, to really – get better at it too if you're not playing live if there's not a lot of places to play live and we are a small little country and there's the live scene's pretty tiny so you know it that takes time um and you'll see but you will see a gradual growth there if you're doing it and you're doing it frequently enough and then you know so then there's the publicity side of it and building that awareness in the industry within the media mm. then there's your own social media and how mm. you connect and how you put yourself forward and interact with your audience and grow an audience so those are only just you know a few things off the top of my head that I you know think at any one time to move forward and to grow you want to be doing all of those things all of the time but mm. it may not be that they all come together like the perfect jigsaw puzzle straight away but if you're working at all of them and you're aware that you need to work at all of them gradually things start to come together you know so you can't just say, oh, I'm going to put out a song, I'm going to get uh, Nick Nat to do the publicity, and I will be a hit overnight. Yeah. It just it won't happen. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. What's quite interesting is that one is like, if you're at home and you're making music and you're, you know, you can release music and you can share that music and it can get likes and plays and it can do lots of different things. But I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people just sitting there overwhelmed with okay like I want to get there how do I get there and a lot of the the time when we see these people that have gone from you know writing songs in their bedroom or you know they've teamed up somewhere mm. to to have that launch pad mm -hmm. you know so whether you've teamed up with you know Lord and Benny you know Josh Fountain and Joel Little and, and those kind of things how important <coughs> is it to connect with the community, connect with the, the network to fill in the missing gaps and realise we don't have to do it all. Mm. We don't have to have all the information. We need to be interested enough that someone's going to jump on our journey. Yeah. Mm. 
But where do we reach out when we're first yeah. starting? It's hard, isn't well, it? Having it, I think having a team is the key. Is the key thing, right? In becoming an artist. So I always think, like, for the artists, like, focus on making the music, obviously yourself, because you want that. But you need to build a team around you who have these skills and these expertise to help you on your journey. So it's like finding a manager, producer publicity but there's I guess the steps right like where do you yeah. where do you begin well I guess you know if you do take your example of say you've just made a banger in your bedroom yeah and it starts mm-hmm. kicking off or start to see some activity on TikTok or whatever you know wherever you're seeing it what do you do I mean I guess there's two options really you can just sit back and let it take its course and inevitably you know the industry worldwide has a lot of means and method ways of spotting when something goes viral. Mm, mm. You know, big record companies, management companies, they have ways of seeing where there's spikes in someone's activity and people are paid to keep an eye on those, you know. Yeah. Well, they get, what, and yeah. TikTok especially, right? They're yeah. watching TikTok. Yeah, and I mean, that seems to be the latest. There are, there are yeah. programs that measure everyone's activity on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Apple. So if suddenly there was a rush on all of those platforms, you'd probably start getting a few emails from big people mm. internationally. Mm. That's how it works. Mm. And it's the same, you know, we see it time and time again with artists that we uh, manage. If suddenly a song is getting really mm-hmm. good activity on any one platform, suddenly you'll have all sorts of people reaching out, producers, record labels, you know. It's cold calling, but that's the industry. That's mm. how it works. And, you know, what does one do when you don't even know who these people are, who to trust? That's one way of, I guess, being discovered. And I feel, what is that? If that was happening to you, yes, I think very quickly you would have to work out who around me. You need someone you trust, knows right? Somebody to yeah. put me in touch with a, a, manager a manager or a mentor or someone who can help me to work out where to go from here. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably the most common thing. I think that's thing key, that happens. right? Because you need to find someone that you can trust. Because really, this it can be overwhelming. And this is things that you shouldn't really have to deal with as an artist, especially as a young artist starting out. Because there's a lot of charlatans out there. So it's trying to filter through a lot of that. So finding a manager that you can trust that can sort of look after that for you. I think in terms of like finding someone, like the MMF is this resources. So that's the Music Managers Forum in New Zealand has these amazing resources as a website you can go to and it's open to all artists like and independent artists you go on there and it's got pdfs that you can download with some information there's mentors on there paul is on there greg haver's on there there's like different mentors from different areas so producers managers publicists like all different um live live agents Mm. and you can choose to have a mentoring session so that that in itself is a really good resource especially starting out and then they can advise you or you need a manager or they can help you. I mean, finding a manager is a tricky one, but mm. it's definitely a key thing, I think, in building yeah. your career because it's a relationship that becomes quite crucial. Yeah, it is an important step, but equally, mm. you know, there's lots of things you can do without a manager. Mm. But I guess going back to that other sort of question around what what do you do if, you know, things are starting to happen or where do you go? I mean, mm. that scenario of suddenly having people contact you is... You know, it does happen. It happens a lot. But then there's the other side of it when when it's not happening to you, you know, and you're not making a dent and you're not going anywhere, but your stuff is great. That's hard. And I think it's hard if you're introverted or you don't really enjoy, I don't know, surrounding yourself with music industry people or going to gigs or if you're sort of quite alone, I think that would be quite hard to know where to go. But if you are able to get yourself into a space or a scene 
which is just, I don't know, maybe it's at school, maybe it's after school, but definitely surrounding yourself with other people who play music, Mm. particularly in those early stages, I do think the live scene, Mm. because you do just meet other people and it's just, or or going into a studio and doing some sessions with a producer Mm. or some songwriting sessions with others that you know might write songs and stuff. It has been a little bit proactive in putting yourself out there and maybe pushing yourself out of your comfort zone sometimes. Because the more you can surround yourself by others who are also trying to do what you're doing, you just learn and bounce ideas off and someone might know someone that you don't know and they Mm. can recommend. And in my experience, that's what happens, is that if you can try to become part of a network of people that are trying to do what you're doing, there is a lot more support. I think it's easier said than done because I think it can also be quite a cliquey little mm, industry. Definitely. And, mm. I, and I feel bad even giving that advice because I feel, what if you can't break into that? You know, mm. that would have been me. If I was, I don't make music, I never have, but had I, I think I would have been the introvert. I would have known what to do, you know. You probably would have gone along to a gig though, right? And sort of music yeah. that you like and sort of yeah, yeah. try. I don't mm. know. Yeah, but, it, it is hard. But in terms of like forcing your way into something, yeah. I think that's hard, right? Yes. I would never had the confidence to do it. I think you have to be pretty confident to do that sort of thing mm. when you're a young person. But I do think it helps. I mean, even, you know, knowing the artists that I, that are, I, I manage now who are well into their journeys, some of them have major big circles of friends that work in music and mm. they're very into that. And then I have others that they're not, but they have a really tight group of people that they trust. Might only be three people, but mm. they know where they can go for support in terms of, you know, what to do in the studio, those types of things. Or, you know, mm. so I do see it being something that if you are part of the community, it makes it a little easier to find out, oh, who are the managers out there? Who are the record label A&R people out there that are scouting for new talent? Mm. Producers to work with as well. Yeah. It's always, that's another yeah. whole. And there are a lot of things, you know, obviously we have the likes of APRA who do workshops mm. um, for artists. or New Zealand On Air too. New they Zealand put on, on Air, yeah. workshops um, and MMF talks and everything. does it as well and. We have they're going all global. Quite key. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of resources. Upskilling up there. events. Going global is a really good one. For, uh, recommend yeah. that to anyone. It can be overwhelming, obviously, but because there's a lot of information. Even if you just go to one session and just sit in, and then you'll meet people there too, because industry people are there from all different levels, all different backgrounds, um, and everyone's keen to chat because the whole thing is about community and talking with people around you. So I think that's a really key place, just to even just to learn, just to learn as much as you can and mm. absorb it. And then you sort of work out what type of artist you want to be. Like, do you want to be in this world over here or this world over there? Like, it Mm. might not be for you certain things. But knowing who's who does help. Yes. Just the names. Yeah. Just the the names and the labels and just Mm. trying to get your head around the difference in definitions. Yeah. And and just, you know, that's not necessarily putting yourself out there, but at least it's a way that you can hold a conversation Mm. when you do get in front of those people. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I know what your role is. Exactly. Like but, understanding yeah. their mm. background. And also you might be surprised, like I've, I find like the music community in general is pretty open to talking about things. Like mm-hmm. it's not, you're not going to be completely, I don't know what the term is, but people aren't unreachable here in New Zealand. I feel like people are a bit more mm. open and, and they might not, you know, give you an hour of time, but they might just email you back or give mm. you a couple of pointers or something. I feel like people are quite Absolutely. nice like that, which is good. Yeah. Oh, we, we answer everyone. I mean, if, if yeah. we don't answer... It's because we got so busy that Might we not be straight forgot away. and then someone will remind us and then we'll go, oh, we forgot to answer. And, yeah. So we, we, and we often recommend people. Answer, yeah. Uh, well, so we can't help who, you, but talk to, uh, give them some email, talk to these people, yeah. or you should check out this website or something. 
And I feel like most people in the industry are like that. Might be, get a bit harder if you're just, you know, cold calling producers or other artists to co-write with. That mm. gets harder. They may not answer you. And I think, you know, don't take people that personally. Busy. That's just, mm. that's pretty standard. But if you were to reach out to someone, you know, like us or another manager that you've heard of or know of, I think most managers would be more than happy to answer you because not a lot of us, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> no. It's quite a few of them yeah, between. Yeah, um, true. You know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, a manager's saying, yeah, we're, we're, I'm taking you on, we're going to work with you because nine times out of ten they probably don't have the, have the capacity. But any good manager's going to check out your stuff because that's what we do, you know. Mm. We like to know what, who's oh, on. It always comes back there, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Right? Like any anyone you ask and show things to when they go, oh, man, really like the song, I'll help you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Otherwise it's going to be, uh, I think you've got some stuff to work on. Maybe you could do this, do that. Like they're yeah. still going to give mm. you help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if someone sent me a banger that I'm like, whoa, I'm not going to go, oh, no, sorry, I've got time for you. I, no, I would be like, just whoa. The way it works. Yeah, 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 exactly. It all I comes down listen. to the music, right? Yeah. We always listen yeah. to what ev- everyone sends us. Mm. Might not, might take us a while to get to it, but we always do. Mm. Yeah. And if you haven't done it independently, team up with someone else who's, Mm, got got yeah. some missing parts or it really is a process i think everyone's going to feel much better when they just like gradually break down those little barriers yes. of mm. anxiety of yes. like you know and, and making those changes and going oh because that's just part of the normal growth of the the process right yeah, just yeah. getting things wrong and learning things along the way yeah and yeah, no one's absolutely. gonna think less of you for trying they're just gonna I, I i actually have a lot of you know admiration for people who put themselves out and do that. I'm like, yeah, way to go. That's actually the only way to go. Yeah, we all know how hard it is. To get out there and hustle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just try and put that, yeah, the anxiety or that kind of worrying about rejection or worrying what, what the outcome is or worrying about mm. no one answering you. Just try and put it in the back of your mind. But, yeah, do your research. You definitely want to know who you're reaching out to. I mm-hmm. think that is yeah. probably the best piece of advice, yeah. Yeah, so you guys must get lots of inquiries coming in from all different levels do you have to explain quite often to people what you guys actually do uh, in a in a very succinct yeah, way? Yeah, pretty much, because I think sometimes people get us confused with publishers, mm. publicity and publishing, I guess because they're very similar words. So um, publishing obviously is quite different because it's to do with syncs and money for songs being used in ads and stuff like that, whereas publicity is about getting your music sent to radio or to newspapers or online blogs and trying to connect artists to media to then tell the story to the public so so sometimes we we have a few of those things can you do my publishing I was like oh, we're not a publisher it's basically in our heads like someone will contact us and firstly we need to hear the music to see you know if, it, if it's a fit and if we can work it because for me it's always like we want to find results so if I listen to a song I was like I can't see this fitting on any radio like for knickknack it's very radio driven because we're sort of the artists that we're working with are you know, they're at that point now where they're getting played on commercial radio stations like ZM and the Edge and My FM. So I need to listen to it. And if I feel like there's a fit here, I can see the potential, then we'll take it on. If I don't see that, then it's like there's no point because, you know, yeah. just not. You know the if chances. I, yeah, if I don't see, I, I mean, I was student radio as well. But if I see that it's just not at that level, then no, that's not going to work. But then again, also the timeline, like we need to have time frame so you know it needs to be a couple of months away like you can't send me a song and go oh, I'm releasing this next week that that doesn't work so mm. we would say to people give yourself as much time as possible leading into finding a team a couple of months is always good just so you know people need to listen to the music get their heads around it have pitching conversations to media and radio but often it's like just trying to say what we do like Nick Nick 
we do publicity campaigns, single campaigns or album campaigns or EP campaigns with different, more established artists, I think, is Nick Knack. Whereas Little Sister is for new and emerging acts. So that's lots of artists that are just starting out. So they might be brand new, might be their debut single. Again, it's the same thing. They need that time frame, need to hear the music, need to make sure it's actually at the level that we can do something with. Because sometimes people might have a song and they think it's ready, but it's not quite ready, you know, in terms of publicity. I think with publicity, Little Sister especially, it's like Kate wants to get results as well, right? So it could be like some intro interviews on radio or an intro interview on some regional radio or some blog pickup and things like that. But again, the music needs to be at that quality level. I think sometimes there is a bit of confusion around what publicity actually is. Yes. I think mostly, more than confusion, it is going back to what (coughs) I spoke about before, it's that they want to know what results we'll get. Yeah. (laughs) And... We can you can never guarantee can, anything ever no, because you just don't, yeah. you, you can, can't. You can go back with targets to say, okay, so this is the song you've presented us with. Listening to it, we think these would be the targets. But the hard thing is you're an artist that no one's ever heard of. The media in New Zealand has shrunk quite significantly. So we do have a few blogs, but, you know, there's not a lot. So we do have to really, really work hard to find that layer of media that will even yeah. pay any interest to a single. Just you know? to get a look in, right? Because yeah. you're also up against all these other artists that are established, like locally, New Zealand artists, and not just local artists, international artists. So you might have a Beyonce or a, a Lizzo releasing a song or an Ed Sheeran, mm. as well as, you know, locally you've got like a Folio Robinson, Benny, and then so you've got mm. you know, up against all that and then you've got this song. So it's even to get the foot yeah. in the door and is the, quite tricky. The, the tricky thing is that we live in this... Um, culture whereby we're told make singles to feed the beast spotify Mm. tiktok radio youtube radio right it's a singles (laughs) driven market but the reality is from a media perspective from Mm. a publicity perspective the tried and trusted ep and album is still that tangible thing doesn't have to be a physical thing obviously it can be a digital release Mm. but we you know having an album or an ep to present to media gives Nick immediately that plan to work towards that album release. Yeah. And then the media know it's coming. Yeah. So those bigger pieces, like a big session at RNZ, live session at RNZ, mm. a big music review in The Listener or The Herald or wherever, they want albums. Yeah. So, so you kind They're of got less that, the single phase. Yeah, so you've got these two things competing against each other. The need to feed the beast with singles, mm. which we need, which obviously you do have to do. But then to balance it up and, and sort of say, at what point do I present my music packaged up as an EP or as an album, mm. which does give more of a story to who you are as an artist, more of a And that's for the, developing those bigger publicity pieces, which is then more about the personality of the artist and telling their story, like the artist behind the music. But that'll only happen if there is an album or EP because media are reluctant to cover a single if it's like the Herald or a blog or mm. Rolling Stone, they're not just going to put up one single because it's like disposable, I guess, whereas mm. they need to know there's a, a longer story there for them to then commit their writers to sit down with you for yeah. half an hour to have a chat. But, so those are the whereas challenges. Whereas the singles are for radio because they mm. churn and burn. Mm. So you sort of, you need like a body of work in mind and then yeah. work single by single to the body of work, yeah. I guess. But, that, but I think that is, you know, that, those are the challenges and that mm. that is why... In this current climate, publicity is going out and connecting your music with media and, and, and trying to get media coverage. But the thing that is also attached to it, which is what, you know, essentially we're not charging for, is that strategy and helping you to mm. work out how you can 
present this. You know what I mean? That's something if you were signed by a record label, you'd have an A&R team, a, t- a label team that would marketing. help you marketing, develop yeah. all those things. When you're independent and you come to Nicknet Media, let's say, or any publicity team, technically we're just there to get you publicity. We're not there to help you try and come up with a plan and a strategy. No. But inevitably we will help you do that because – yeah, um, because you know the yeah, facets yeah, and that's yeah. where we're, we're not going to say, oh, right. do what you like, throw your money home. No, no. We would always well, go, we're, yeah. There's always a plan in place, I guess. And the thing is with publicity, it's like what you're paying, what artists are paying publicity for is like the context. Like, so so us, myself, Kate, so Nick Nat, Little Sister, but also the other publicists out there independently, there's some amazing ones in New Zealand. There's like a bunch, and we're all friends. Like, you know, it's a small industry and we need more publicists, but you're paying for all of our relationships, I guess, like, our years of expertise of working with these people in the media, like so personally my background back to Warner, I'm working with a lot of the same people in media who I was working with back then and we've been we've stayed friends or, you know, we've gone to have a coffee together or something um, and you re- build these relationships so when you're coming to a publicity team that's established, you know that you've got these relationships like I can pick up the phone and call someone at ZM and go, hey, I've got this amazing artist, can I please come and play the song to you? And they're more likely to say yes than an artist cold calling them, or they wouldn't even answer the phone. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you're paying for those skills. So it's that's part of publicity, I guess, is like those yeah. relationships and then trusting that the publicist knows what they're doing. It's like, okay, trust me, we won't take this song to this one yet, but let's just do this now and then we'll build up to this. So you're getting the expertise. Mm. It is strategy, but it, right? But it is, it is confusing because there's so many blurred areas and I think yes. as music has evolved, as the industry has evolved, it means, like I say, publicity sometimes, even though we're not going to publicise the fact um, that we do, you know, we are doing a, a lot more than just publicity, but you have to because there, there's so many blurred areas, you know, mm. and it's incredibly hard to work with an independent artist in a, on a campaign without assisting them in other areas which need to be. So, but over time, gradually, as you do grow your team, you know, those things start to come into play. You know, artists that we work with now, like Nick works with who are more established, they'll have, you know, like a digital marketing <coughs> person that works in, yes. in conjunction yeah. with the publicity team. They'll have a booking agent who's booking yeah. their shows. They'll have potentially someone who's helping them with social media. So, you know, you, you sort of, I guess, as you grow, you start to work out, who else do I bring into my team? Who else can help me to continually push forward? In terms of management inquiries, yeah, we, we do get a lot of that. But what I tend to do is just filter everyone back through MMF because mm. it is an, an incredible resource. Yeah, mm. yeah. I do find that even people that I've directed there, it all automatically goes, oh, <coughs> am I ready to even talk to that person? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's a stage before that sometimes too where yeah. you talk to me or you talk to someone yeah. else down the road and go, hey, I was going to go do a meeting with like MMF. What should I actually ask? Mm-mm. But I think if you're really stuck, just go do one. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You're going to learn mm-hmm. so much in yeah. an hour. Whoever you get to talk to is going to be amazing. Mm. And the fact that they've even got time mm. to sit down is exactly. just such a and rare thing. And it's dedicated thing. to you. That, yeah. that hour's dedicated yeah. to you. And yeah. you can do as many. You talk but to also, every mentor yeah. on their books. If and you I like. also think keeping an eye out for the, they have them regularly. They travel around the country where they've got a panel of speakers that'll come into like Auckland or Christchurch, wherever. They're doing them quite a lot now, um, now that COVID's, you know, opened things up again. They'll talk about specific topics like one week it might be publishing or another Mm. week it will be media Mm. and publicity or it could be the live scene. I think there's a few coming up actually, MMF. Yeah, I mean, so it's keeping an eye out for those type of things. 
the other good resource is IMNZ, which is Independent Music New Zealand. So again, that's for independent artists that aren't signed to labels. So that falls under most majority really of artists. And again, you don't have to have a manager. That's another, you can go to their website and have a look there. They've got resources guidelines I can help you with things like funding applications like that's another whole mm. other ball game and New Zealand on air too they, they're yeah no so I mean we've got, I, a, we've got there's a, few a lot good... there I think it's just keeping an eye out you know making sure you're looking in the right places but yeah I mean so going back to the management thing and people asking about management it's hard to answer like when is a good time to get a manager or mm. how do you get a manager it's like everything if you're suddenly doing something really amazing people will come out of the woodwork you know you know, at the end of the day, it is a business, right? Although our management style is very much focused on longevity and development and working mm. with artists over a long period of time, mm. as opposed to casting our net wide, just taking heaps of acts on our books <coughs> who are doing well and then seeing which ones sink and which ones swim. I mean, that's not really our style. I can see that's a style that works for some. I, th- I see that's a style that works across the industry you know, record labels use it. It's a good strategy if your bottom line is profit. We, I guess, quite early on decided that, you know, our management strategy was around working with artists that, one, we truly believed in, knowing it was for the long haul, that mm. it wasn't going to be something quick. and It's the long game. It's quite a frustrating approach, but yeah. it takes a long time. You just gotta have patience. I think that's the key. It's like <laughs> but, just yeah. never giving up. That's our motto, yeah, right? No, like, it, exactly. We never yeah. give up. So, just stick with it. Yeah. So that means that the the acts you do work with have the you, ups know, you and have the to downs. be pretty sure, I think, when you commit to like signing a formal contract with anyone. And I mean mm. this for the manager and the artist. Mm. You have to be really sure that you're entering into something that you are prepared to you can easily see yourself doing for the next five years. That's not to say you can't get out of it, because you can. But what I'm saying is, you know, that's what you mm, want to feel going into, into it, that you you can see yourself having to speak to this person, you know, sometimes 50 times a day <laughs> or sleep in the same hotel room as them sometimes or, you know, like yeah. seeing them when you wake up, seeing them when you go to bed, yeah. um, having day. arguments, crying <laughs> and having tantrums or whatever. Um, you know, it's like having a family member. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like... Well, that relationship, the manager-artist relationship, yeah, so it's so crucial, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's also, there's not a one-fit rule for, for management. I, I think it's a very personal thing every single artist is an individual every single artist comes with their own set of circumstances their own challenges their own goals their own talents you know and weaknesses so you cannot apply the same kind of approach to every artist it's it's personal management as much as it is you know music management so when people say oh I want a manager where do I go I just need one it's like, um, mm. Is it because yeah. you don't want to do the work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which we exactly, see all yeah. the time, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, I, I think... don't know what to do, so yeah. I need a manager. Yeah. Yeah. The manager goes, well, I really need you to know what to do yes. yeah. so that we can actually have a conversation. That's exactly right, because I think yeah. that's the key thing. You can't just think, oh, I get a manager, I just hand it all over and they'll look after it and then my job's done. No, I no. think it's really crucial for you to understand your art, but also understand that it's a business. Like, Mm. yes, you're making music and that's amazing and you're doing what you love, but at the end of the day, if you're serious, it is a business. So Mm. it's like understanding that and learning as much as you can yourself and not just 
handing it all over to a manager and then mm. getting angry if something doesn't go your way or blaming them or even, you know, putting all too much trust because you need to trust them, but you can't. At the end of the day, it's still your art and mm. it's your business. So you don't want to hand it yeah. completely over because, If you, you know, look at look at artists like Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, mm. those are two examples of artists who are truly across Everything. Everything they do. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They know what their business yes. is. Yeah. They know where they're making their money, where they're... Every you know, they are... Obviously, they have massive teams now. Like, you know, one can only dream to have that kind of team. But at the heart of that are these people that are driving this ship. Mm. And I think to be really successful in music, you have to really know who you are and where you're going. And mm. that is hard, like I say, when you're young, because sometimes you don't know. But, you know, I see it time and time again. There's a really good example. She came into it very, and she'd say this, very naive to the music industry, had some really big hills to climb, took some major knocks and came out fighting. I don't advocate, you know, I don't believe that whole approach that you have to take knocks to be strong and come out fighting at all. But that is the music industry. It can be very (laughs) tough, right? Mm. But... You learn, and again, I don't. I'm not saying this needs to happen to you for you to learn. But you take Thera as an artist because we have worked with her from the beginning. And the moment, you know, in actual fact, she left her major label and felt, I guess, the weight being lifted where it wasn't so much. Now you have to go in and write a hit song, and it has to go on radio, and you have to have all these Spotify streams. The moment she stopped feeling like she had to measure her success and who she was as an artist <coughs> on statistics. Mm which we know the industry uses. That's how we are supposedly meant to measure success. But the moment she felt she didn't have to do that and she could start making the music she wanted, being the artist she wanted, we saw a completely different person emerge. A happier person, Mm. a more creative person, because in fact having that pressure put on you actually, in her case, hindered her creativity, whereas lifting that pressure opened it up to the point where I guess she reframed what, success meant to her as well. Her goals as an artist are very different now than having goals that have been kind of, I guess, imposed on you by a big record label. That's one thing we've learned as managers is that sometimes being signed really early and really young isn't always necessarily the best way, even though everyone thinks that's Mm, the answer. mm. It can actually kind of be really debilitating debilitating for the artist. Yes. And in some ways it would be better if it was the other way around and they had time to grow and then that, you know, potentially... So you know who you are as an artist too, Yeah, and potentially that label came along later and and the piece that might have been a better journey for her, for Mm. instance. Again, everyone's different. But you take an artist like Thea who now, like, absolutely knows what music she wants to make, who she wants to work with, she has Takahu, which she drives herself, you know, a whole separate project. She's about to take Takahu touring in Canada. She's about to go to America and play a, a bunch of theatre shows. I am there supporting and I work with her and all of this, but largely all of that has been driven by her. She's the one having those conversations that book her on the shows that she plays. She's the reason that, that all these festivals in Canada reach out because she connects and talks to the right people mm. yeah she and she knows what where her, she wants her music to go she and it's knows, taken time to get to this point though, totally like, and it's all yeah. It, yeah. this is the Learnings. whole thing it's learning Absolutely. so it's like yeah. not we're, giving we're up six, just keep seven going years in now yeah. so i'm not suggesting that yeah. so it's not overnight but it's like everything now is happening the way it should be and it's connecting yeah. Yeah. and it's all natural and it's positive it's yeah. really good yeah but it's, so a, it's like i think it is not giving up right yeah, not giving up but yeah. also knowing and you will make mistakes and sometimes you will do all the wrong things but sometimes it's about 
what you say no to as well as much yes. as what you say yes to. But it is allowing the artist that freedom to grow and to develop. Yeah, I just feel like the most successful artists that I can see internationally and the most successful artists that I know just us personally that we work with are artists that they're hustlers. <laughs> they they um mm-hmm. yeah. they are there yeah. Yeah. really working hard. And even if it seems like they're All not, the time. they are they yeah. work very hard. Yeah. I'm always blown away. Like by the time I've seen a local artist in the media or by the time their music has come across and reached me, I'm always fascinated when I meet them in person by how clued on they are. Yes. Yeah. You know, they, they are literally <laughs> managing their own yep. success at yeah. that stage. Why? Because you don't have another option. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? You've just got to drive it along, then you meet the guys, you know, yeah. meet mm-hmm. the other people around you. Well, what are you doing? We're all in the same boat. Mm. Yeah. You know, like management's not even going to look at us, yeah. uh, you know, until mm. we, yep. we can prove that we are managing our own success. Yeah, it's, it's very true. You know, managers, they'll only come along when they think, oh, I can make a lot of money from this song mm-hmm. or something. Huh. Or yeah. this artist, they are prepared to, to work. They already proved that. They already, you know, they're already doing a lot of what they need to be doing. You'd be asking for it if you just sort of took on an artist and, and sort of was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come on board and I'll do everything for you and make you successful. Yeah. I, I, you know, it just won't work. No. So I feel like it's <laughs> That's a reciprocal. very small percentage when someone has enough experience to go, I know what to do with you. Yeah. But, again, it's just reinforcing that (coughs) don't bank on that. There's ways to do it. You can do it in a nice, slow, progressive way Mm, and and follow some channels that are actually going to get you into that position. Yeah. Rather than hoping and waiting and, and just winging it. And I was just also thinking about the risk of time expenditure mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. and this is when we have to actually respect other people's careers and mm. the expertise and what they do mm. that if a manager is going to sign on to you you know at basically what it's like we're not paying a, a weekly wage no. to, to yeah. you guys okay so for this many hours you're going to do this and okay here's your invoice for 250 dollars mm. it's kind of the other way it's just like a manager is investing mm. time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the hope that in two, three, four years' time that you've you built a, a business relationship yeah. and then yeah. that you've recouped yeah. Yeah, your totally. time. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. You know, it's so, all that time yeah. that you're and, putting in. And also if an artist isn't giving you anything, you have nothing to work with. That's, that's the other thing I find, right? If there's no music, you know, it's our job too as managers, I guess, to like, yeah, open doors and help an artist to find people to write with and producers and, you know, all of those things. You know, that's what we help with. But equally, if it's such a, it's a cliche, but, um, you know, you can't lead a horse to, what is it? What is the? Water. Yeah, yeah. water. Yeah. Yeah. You, can you can lead a horse, horse to water, yeah. but you can't make it drink. Yeah. But right? it's that perfect <laughs> saying because it's yeah. so true. Like we can get you here, yeah. but if so you don't true. go that extra bit or drink you don't do that, then we can't, <laughs> we can't get up and perform. We can't write no. the songs. We can't do all of these mm. things, you know, <laughs> so it's like. We can do all of the groundwork yeah. for free, like you say. But a lot ultimately, of it. it's up to the artist. Um, to... Yeah, and I think that is the thing, right? At some point, it's like record labels, it's like management. At some point, if you're not seeing some financial return for all of the effort and time and money you put in, well, of course, you, you know, a record yeah, label is going to change tactic. Mm. Yeah, you're going to talk either. to somebody. Yeah, I think probably a lot of people forget that too, that uh, that managers are essentially working for free for those first few years. And 
I have heard this a lot. I hear artists say, oh, my manager does nothing for me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if only you knew. Yeah, if only you knew. The, all the behind the scenes, like, there's so much that goes so into much it. So much, so many conversations, people are doing. But the, that's that whole. <clears throat> I think we are living in a time where everyone expects everything now, and they want to see results straight away. And, and if you, you yeah. know, <laughs> and if you can't see tangible results straight away, you uh, think nothing's happening. But it's like everything in music. It takes so long, and to see. Any kind of result, it does take six, seven years. Mm. Yeah. Can we carry on the financial theme? Mm. Because I think people should be talking about it more and where that comes from and where it's going and what to expect is something that can maybe just like bring down people's yeah. levels of, of how much they're putting into things and going, mm. okay, just don't throw everything out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like it mm. actually needs to be a considered approach yeah so and i've asked this before on on the other episodes because i always find it really really interesting is to tell people like if you're expecting to be a full-time musician Mm. a full-time creative like living in new zealand yes like what does that weekly kind of monthly workload look like if you can answer that Mm. and what makes up you know Mm. a livable wage yeah most artists Um, we know have a other source of income, really, don't they? But if that's you, what I wanted to yeah, hear. Yeah, number one, pretty much. Most of them, you think about a, it a lot in of, some way, or some kind of form of supplementing yeah. things to at least. Because the other thing you want to think about, even not even money if it is fund, even if you get funding, you mm. don't always get that funding up front. Whether it be NZ on Air funding or the Aotearoa Touring Fund or Outward Sound funding, which gets you overseas. A lot of that funding comes retrospectively, right? Oh, when you show invoices for yes. what you've spent? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you gotta, that's, yeah. that's a good yeah. note. Yeah. Sometimes you get yeah. a little bit of an advance potentially on single funding or something. Yeah, but then you're paying it straight to the producer or the video. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, but at least you can pay for yeah. like, the production. But often itself. you have to pay for but it yourself so and quite then claim often it back. You have to be able to, if you're making music, you should be able to be able to pay for stuff up front, right? That's mm. the goal and the ideal. With musicians and those that I know, who pretty much make a living from music. It's not like they have a regular income that comes in and pays for them to live that month. They are having to think of it as the whole year, knowing that in December, January, February, March, for instance, it's festival season. You know that you have this time to make quite a significant chunk of your yearly income, where you know you have access to way more live festivals you know that you, you're not having to try and sell tickets. You can get booked on that festival, go along and get paid a fee. Get a fee. Hopefully, you know, my advice would be you never want to go into debt unless, of course, it's such an amazing opportunity that you just can't turn it down. Yeah, like paying to go on tour yeah. overseas, mm. yeah, yeah. like paying, paying yeah. your way well, or something. The, if it's yeah. a support act and you're like, whoa, this mm. is going to open me up to hold it and, yeah. you know, that's worth it, right? But if you can factor in over summer that you might be able to get on no rhythm and vines, Bay Dream, Splore, uh, one of those festivals say, and you can you know that you're going to get a little bit of money out of that. Or if you're a bigger artist, you know you're going to get a decent fee for each of those, and you're pretty much going to well and truly cover your costs, and you're going to walk away with easily money in your pocket, right? So you yep. factor in that. Then you factor in if you are going to tour, where in the year are you going to do that tour? That's obviously another source of income, but also a massive source of outgoings. Mm. So it's like any business you have to have a budget and a plan that is based on a yearly cycle. If you're not doing that, 
then I don't know how you'd be a musician making money from your music. Well, you no, have to be like a limited company that's actually you, you don't know, make money from streams. You no. know, you don't. The only way a musician really makes money is playing live, so being paid a fee merch. For, for, for a festival or selling tickets or merch. Merch is a big thing, which we often encourage. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to outlay obviously to get some t-shirts printed, but it's, you can get do it pr- pretty yeah. cheaply, and then you sell them at your shows. Yeah. So that's one way artists can make money. But Sinks, but that's not a given. That's just you know you can't plan a sink no. into your yearly income. Whereas it's the things you shows. know you can factor in are your live performances, mm. it's your merch. But again, you need to be at a certain stage that you know you sell your merch. Mm. Mm. And so you can't sort of say how much I need to make this month. Unfortunately, it doesn't work mm. quite as simply as that. It's like there's, I think, I feel like a lot of artists that we know, even like the really big ones who are doing super well, like they're music tutors, for example. Yeah. Like mm. they might I wanted be a, to get into this as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. Um, I know Joel from LAB is a good example, lead singer, LAB huge. He still is a music tutor, like he tutors guitar and a lot of them have supplementary I mean probably because they enjoy it too but there's mm. also I think because you can't always guarantee that you're going to be getting that income or you're going to be booked on this bill no. I mean maybe eventually it'll become regular well, I guess if you had such big streams that you knew every however often it is that yeah. you get paid out by um, that's a regular well, again, payment if you're signed yeah. by a label you're probably not even going to see that money straight away either no. so no. that's one thing to say if you're signed by a label you'll get an advance you might get to live off that advance for a year Potentially or not, because then it goes into paying for your album. So you might yeah, only yeah. get a little so bit. Depends. So you still need some so income. Depends. But some some artists <clears throat> do live on their advance for a year. Let's say if you get a really good one, mm. that's one way. But then then you're going to have to hope like heck that all that money they've put into you is going to come to fruition, so mm. that you get to still continue living off maybe another advance the year later. Mm. So it's not you know if you're signed by a label, that's the hard thing is that yep you might get some money up front, but it can also set a really dangerous precedent because you feel that's going to always be there, but mm. it, it may not be there because it's pretty. No. You know, your streams. I don't know what the equation is, but this is what it <laughs> used ridiculous. to be. This is years ago, but it was something like for every million streams, if you weren't having to give any of that to anyone, I think it was like about five thousand dollars New don't, Zealand. I don't think it's that much. Right. Well, almost just like just breaks even on a single. Oh, for, kind exactly. of for what what went into yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're yeah. lucky, that would be what your goal is. Yeah. yeah. So how many people yeah. have no middleman? Like that would mean you've put everything up onto DistroKid or you've paid nobody. Mm. Yeah. So you have to make all that money back yourself. Mm. There's so few people. There might be. There's some people out there that will have that. Yeah. Again, you would then have to hope that you're going to be streaming in the tens of millions. Mm. To be guaranteed to make a regular income from that song. Mm. So realistically in New Zealand, you know, we do have artists, as you say, like LAB, 660, Benny, who are streaming in the tens of millions. Mm. Um, and they have a lot of radio plays. So they're guaranteed mm. when you're at that level, yes, you can yeah. pretty much work out what your income's going to be. But if yeah. you're not at that level and your streams and radio players not making you money, then the only way to make money is, yeah, to get out there and play live and yeah. build mm. a live show. And it does work, but, well, obviously we've had a few rough years, COVID mm. and lots of things, but, yeah, yeah. making it sound very negative, aren't I? No, but, um, but like, yeah. th- that's what we want everyone to look at and be okay with rather than blanket over the head, don't want to hear it, I'm going to be an exception to mm. the rule. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then just holding on to it, which we see all the time. 
people have been trying to do this for a very, very long time. Yeah. Like the, the, the system of making money from music is not new. No. It's a very tried, trusted system. Every now and then someone breaks the rule. Mm. Like we've seen that in New Zealand mm. as well. But we're, we're trying to find ways to be comforted that our work will slowly, gradually tick along and mm. get somewhere eventually. Mm. Mm. And that's why I think it's really interesting to talk about, you know, there's the artist making money, like your brand as the artist that you want mm. to grow. And then you as a musician or a creative, how many different things you can grow underneath it that ultimately you hope will add to mm, more connections yeah, yeah. and growing your artistry. Like, yes. I feel like they actually come together as one package. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yet people do try to separate them. Yeah, I think you're right. When people hit their stride and they are doing all of those things, they all count and that's your source of income. That's where you're going to make wages. But it's like the interesting thing, like I find, you know, and this is something I'm really keen to know more about or to try and, I don't actually think many people in the industry have answers to this, but the TikTok phenomenon right now, if you're already a really well-established artist and you go on TikTok, then you'll, you know, you'll pretty, you'll see suddenly straight away your TikTok will be viral and that's all great. But if you are an artist who's still trying to be known, you go on TikTok, you're not known on TikTok for your music you have to come up with some other shtick. You know, you have to be a comedian or a... Yeah. You know, you have to do something, eh, on TikTok to be yeah. for people to see your stuff, for you to go viral, yeah. for people to pay any interest to you. Mm. You're just another TikToker. You're not mm. so-and-so who's releasing music over on Spotify. And mm. then once you get away with something, if it works, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got 5,000 followers, or look at this video, it's gone viral, how do you then connect that audience to your music, you mm. know? Yeah, how do you convert How do you bring those listeners or vice versa? Like I said, it's fine if you're already a big artist because people are going to follow you wherever you go. But it's it's really hard to bring those two worlds together right now. And you can obviously make money from TikTok. You can make money from YouTube, probably more than you can from, (coughs) way more than you can from Spotify. Again, I don't know the breakdowns of how these things happen and Mm. how much money you make, but I know it can be done. I know people, you know, YouTubers make a good amount of money. TikTok uh, leads to different things, leads to brands coming and supporting you and giving you money and all sorts of things. So those are definitely ways and means to make money. But again, if you if your goal is to be an artist and be a singer and make music and release music, and that is your goal, you have to work out how you can make those platforms work alongside your music. Otherwise, you're going to be a comedian over there and something else over here (laughs) and then oh I'm an artist as well it's really hard and I I want to know the answer I want to know how do you bring people from TikTok over to Spotify for instance yeah such a new emerging uh, platform and I have been reading a lot about unthought about consequences of short reels they didn't expect that it would take the attention away from long form, yes, yeah, um, actually converting into follows yes. or converting into a purchase of something, yeah. or converting of merch, yeah, and now they're almost trying to backtrack on it because there's no money in short form yeah. videos, yeah, right. Interesting. But for some people that that are obviously making the conversion, it could just be a snap of the fingers. Yes, there's always these people. Mm. We all want to, you know, mm. be one for those who do want to be one. Mm. But it, it is the conversion. It's like, mm. how do you really get people say like? 
on your email list mm. for your artist yeah. newsletter yeah. Yeah. that is not going to unsubscribe. Yeah, Because yeah. exactly. that's the database. Yeah, yeah. 50,000 views on a TikTok means nothing if those 50,000 people haven't then gone and sought you out somewhere else. Or, I, mean, service, even, yeah. I mean, even 5,000 of the 50,000 would be incredible. But I think that's probably highly unlikely, right? Yeah. The other thing I'm mm. fascinated by is, and I find this with myself, I only know like 20 seconds of songs, like that Lizzie McAlpine song. Yeah, right. I only know from the TikTok, TikTok, like yeah. the sped up version, you know. That's like why I think 20. radio is having an issue with it at the moment because they're being inundated with songs that have become TikTok hits. So suddenly yeah. they've got like this list of songs and it's just based on snippets. And like, we can't add all these songs, but like we're getting asked for them, the demands there because of TikTok. But then they'll only be on for like a week and then they'll go. Yeah. So that's changing the face of we only have a generational media yeah, we as well, which is quite scary because yeah. yeah. there's no and the generation connection there, right? People that only know 20 seconds mm. songs. Mm. So there's all these challenges. And, it I, is and, a I, challenge. and I get it that people want to embrace these platforms because uh, you still want to connect to your fans. You should, it's build. a really great way mm. if you can make it work. Mm. But it is definitely fraught with challenge. It's hard because these platforms, it's hard to create a sustainable income from these platforms. Yeah. Yeah. As much as Spotify is a great tool and there's many advantages to it, there's a whole heap of disadvantages to it as well, yeah. you know, in terms of, from my perspective, I see that it sets a false sense of success because it is quite, not easy, but it can happen where songs get put onto big playlists and you, your song will get heaps of streams and it'll look like you're wow, I'm smashing it. But it, it could be a background song, you know, and people don't know your name or yeah. they don't go find you. Well, they don't you. connect you as an artist, they which is the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. So for us, the follows, mm. the number of follows that people have gone out of their way to follow you on a platform like mm. Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, that means they've heard you, they've liked what they've mm. heard. They want to hear and more. They want to hear more. Mm. So they follow you. For me, that is a better measure and you want to see that number going up, mm. monthly listeners will always be like this. Mm. And that's so temperamental because we can have no control over, well, we can have some control, but there's no real control over, you know, editorial playlisting and lots of things help if you're making songs that fit really nicely into the right playlist. But the hardest challenge is how do you, how do you make people know who you are, who mm. wrote, who's singing the song, who's, who's the person, the artist behind the song. If that doesn't happen and that connection isn't made, then you're going to be, you know, five years in and you might have great Spotify streams, a small income from it, very small, but you can't fill the room, you can't fill whammy. Mm. So then yeah. something hasn't quite worked. Yeah. Mm. I was just sitting here thinking, um, we've been talking about artists and, and how to basically put a song out there and convert it into a career. But what's really important and what we wanted to do on this podcast is to give people insight as to what works in the background, you know, how people come and talk to people like yourselves and how important it is to kind of know who, you know, who does what. So before we finish the podcast, I just wanted to make sure I had the opportunity to ask about your background stories and mm. how... People can, you know, it's not the only career as being an artist. We're talking about mm. people that want to become publicists mm. or people that want to get into these roles in the music industry. Mm. Um, we could probably listen to this entire conversation and go, I need to know all of these things so I can become a publicist. Yeah, true. Or so I can work <laughs> in management. Be a manager. So 
can we kind of go back a little bit and, you know, where you guys kind of built to get into this position and how people can look at getting into these careers, like what it takes mm. actually get to running, you know, labels, working for labels mm, and mm. those kind of things. And why it's so important. <laughs> what, Paula? <laughs> oh, no. I'm You're laughing. I'm looking at you. You can start. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess, I mean, I don't want to be too long-winded. No, but go for it. When you were a wedding DJ? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I might ramble. I'll try not to ramble. Okay, so my background is, from the second I can remember, like earliest memory is being obsessed with music. Like as a four-year-old, just wanted, you know, music, music, music. Tried music at high school. Tried to learn an instrument. Couldn't learn to read music, I tried, I struggled, couldn't sing, was in the choir, got told I was flat, so got kicked out of the choir. So basically all I wanted to do was play the drums and be a singer, didn't work. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be an artist. So then I was like, okay, going to get into music another way. So I started, yeah, I started as a, as a music DJ. So I did a DJ course, but cool. this is like back, this is in Australia. Um, I was a mobile DJ, so this is when we would travel around um, yeah. to weddings and 21st birthday parties, 18th birthday parties, school discos, and you would rock up with double records and yeah. carts. Actual. <laughs> and CDs. Mixing somewhat. Yeah, yep. and you would play and you would DJ a wedding and you'd be on the microphone and playing the music. And it was great and I loved it so much. So that was amazing. I did that for a little while. And then I also was a DJ in a nightclub in a place in Australia where I'm from called Wagga, Wagga which is yep. regional New South Wales. I was also a manager of a record store, so um, mm. I was doing the DJ thing, and then I started doing. Actually, no, before that, I left the music, the retail thing, because I was starting to think ahead. What was I going to do? And weirdly, I've always had a, like interest in writing, and an opportunity came up where I got a job at the local newspaper, and I did a thing back then called a cadetship, which is like an apprenticeship, but yep. it's at a newspaper. So this is so old school, <laughs> <laughs> and I I learned the trade, so I learned journalism from the ground up and then as part of that I started writing music for the paper so I was like the music reviewer and I had my own column like a weekly column so that was music at the same time I started a radio course as well so I was writing for the newspaper and the music and then I started having my own show on radio interviewing artists and playing music so all oh, everything's music everything's great love it love it so it's always been the background side of things for me um, so I did that for quite some time then I moved to New Zealand to Auckland which was like 18 years ago now, I think. It was quite a long time ago. And when I when I got here, I was like, I didn't know how I was going to get into a music job. I was like, I really wanted to work at a record label. How's that going to happen? I don't know. I just trust that things would work out. I actually started at a um, magazine called New Idea, which was like a woman's magazine. And then I got a job in that company at Girlfriend Magazine, which back then was like a teenage magazine. And they had a music section. So there were still little bits of snippets of music. But in the back of me, I still had this passion for music so much like I just knew it was going to happen. I didn't know how. And I kept sending off letters to the like the local, like you actually wrote letters back then. And I sent <laughs> it to like Sony, Sony Music or BMG or Warner, you know, seeing if there's any jobs going or internships or anything. And I did it over here as well. And nothing happened. I kept getting replies back. We do, we'll keep you on file. I was like, oh, anyway, didn't give up. While I was working at Girlfriend, an opportunity came up at TVNZ, but it was as a publicist, which is quite different because I've been a journalist at this point. So a trained journalist in my background was an editor of the magazine. But journalism and publicity goes hand in hand. So instead of being pitched to, like a publicist pitches to, to journalists, like, here, we've got this great story. Do you want to do it? I then went to the flip side and became a publicist. I got a job at TV2. Still not music, but sort of, like, you know, in this world, so journalism world, publicity. So now I'm a publicist. 
Told you this was rambly and long-winded. No, no, uh, like I, I want people we're, to, we're invested. Yeah. I, no, I want people to understand that it's a you journey. Don't know where it's going. Yeah. It's a journey, but in yeah. but you have to know, like throughout all of this, I was passionately listening to music. I was going to gigs. I got like a job at working at the big day out, like you know, as a media runner. So I was doing things like behind the scenes as much as I could, meeting people in music. Just like, how do I get into the music industry? Like, how? Like, you know, I'm on the periphery, but I'm not quite there. At Girlfriend, I was interviewing artists that would come to town. So I met like the Warner team, for example, um, and interviewed bands for them and festival records. So I sort of was learning mm. the people of the industry and meeting them, becoming friends with some of them who I'm still friends with today, which is really good. Didn't um, you work on um, pop stars or yeah, shows so, like that well? Yeah, so when I went to TV2, yeah, so New Zealand's Got Talent was a show I was working on. So I was yeah. back into the music in that way as well. And Pop's Ultimate Star was oh, the other yeah. one that we had. So, you know, working with Ben Lummis and Joe Cotton. Yep. Um, I can't even remember all the people, but they'd won different things. So there was a music show and everything, which was good. But I only did that for a year because then a job came up at Warner Music and someone that I'd met in TV had told them about me saying, you need to meet Nicole. Like she's doing publicity at TV too, but she's like the most music passionate person we know. So I went in and had a meeting or a meeting, an interview. It was a job interview. <laughs> I got called in for a job interview and I was so nervous, but I was so excited. And then that's what happened. I, I got the job. So I got offered the job and I took it and I was like, oh my God, this is like my dream job of my entire life. So since I was basically 17. Yeah. And I, I got the job as the, the pub, at the point it was publicity manager. And then I worked, I think I was that for a couple of years. And then I became the head of publicity. And then, you know, almost nine years down the line, I was there and then left to start Knickknack. So that's my very long-winded story. No, that's epic. That's but, so um, cool. The thing was I just yeah. never give, gave up about music. And then even leaving Warner was a big thing because I was like, I'm leaving my dream job. Oh, my God, why am I doing this? I, like, wanted this so much. But the mm. fact was for me I need, always need to feel like I'm growing and evolving and learning something new and being excited. It was the scariest thing I'd ever done was to leave that safety of that job and it was good money and, you know, had a car and a phone and all yeah. these amazing perks to start fresh. But it, I do not regret it and I wish I'd done it earlier. But all those different things that I learned along the way, like the journalism, the DJing, the radio, the sanity music, like all of it sort of has helped with what I'm doing now because now I understand journalism, I understand radio, I've got all this background, which has helped, I guess, in where I am. Mm. Yeah, and that's the longest answer. I'm sorry. No, I'm, <laughs> and, and like in that story, I'm always looking for there's this crossover point where it's a compounded skill, mm. right? Where they mm. say, you know, okay, you're good at this thing, but what other thing can you do? And then, mm. then you put them together, and mm. then that, that becomes yeah. you know, your secret ingredient. And yeah. like to, to hear in your story where it crossed over, and I was like, ah, yeah. here comes the writing mixed with the music. Yes. That's how you got to where you are. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and mm. you know, because all of a sudden that makes you unique. And then if yeah. you can cross those with something else, it's like the compounding yeah. skill factor. The so, different skills, yeah. and they just help you in different, understand different areas. Like, so as a publicist, I understand the radio world or the newspaper world or the writing world. Yeah, it's it, it it all sort of works hand in hand, I guess. Anyway, your turn, Paula. <laughs> well, um, I won't go back as far as um, when you were born. Um, but no, no, definitely love of music has always been. You know, Nick and I are both absolutely music obsessed. Mm. I mean, I think you have to be to do what we do. To be honest, like we are absolutely obsessed to the point. You know. If we weren't doing this, that's what our life would be. It's just you know, mm. going to shows, buying albums, just consuming music all the time. And I guess my background is from a media background. I studied to be a journalist and I went overseas straight away. So I was in London for like eight years and 
actually did a lot of different roles in media, but one of the ones that sort of really that I love the most and I kind of got the most out of was working with young people in media. We did a lot of radio, TV, docos and stuff based in London with a lot of young people from different backgrounds. And it was just such a rewarding experience that I kind of was like, yeah, you know, journalism can be pretty harsh and brutal and all these things that, you know, not always positive things, you know, but I'm kind of a firm believer that you create your own destiny. So then when you do see within these kinds of career paths that there are ways to do things that you do feel good about, you know, like, yeah, working with young people, I realize, oh, you know, there is, there is something in this about telling stories, finding ways to work with young people to get their messages heard. Funnily enough, quite often that did involve using music as a tool. So we'd go into, uh, you know, because a lot of the young people were young people from very difficult backgrounds, you know, so it was like, how do we work with them to be able to tell their stories? And quite often it was going into music studios. So there were little overlaps there. So I'd quite often get into music studios and go, wow, this is cool. Like I'd never, you know, take it for granted now when I'm in a studio. But back then it was such a buzz to go into a music studio and see how things were recorded yeah. or even to be behind the scenes in television and, and see how things came together. It was quite a buzz. But I eventually moved back to New Zealand and that's when I met Nick because I just got a part-time, not part-time, but it was like a te- I didn't really want to go back into that whole mainstream journalism world after having done the youth journalism for four or five years because it was so cool. I was like, it was nothing that existed in New Zealand that I knew of. Yeah. So I just took the first job that came. It was a new idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a woman's magazine person. If anyone mm. knows me, <laughs> I, know, I, am not, I, am not, I am not a woman's magazine journalist. But anyway, I took the job and I met Nick. Yeah, so I guess we started going to shows and just, you know, mm. sharing music and stuff. So that's how we got to know each other. Mm. And I kind of followed suit. Nick went to TVNZ, I went to TVNZ, I stayed on the media side, she went into publicity, but then I went into radio and I went to MediaWorks for, yeah, eight years. Also became a manager of young journalists, so I guess that's what led eventually to me, you know, now being a, oh yeah, that's right, I was a journalist, I forgot that whole You were a music journalist for the Herald on Sunday as well at the same time. And all the time that I was at (laughs) MediaWorks, I was really fortunate in that I had an 11... 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift, which allowed me to take this additional job as a music journalist. And work um, more hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I oh, we'll just fill in the extra yeah, hours. I, work, I honestly work like from six in the morning. All the time. Yeah, all the time. But I just could not give up the music journalism job because I, I loved it. I mean, I've interviewed people <laughs> like... Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, Dolly Parton. Um, Stevie Nicks. No Ed Sheeran, Stevie Nicks. Yeah. I mean, the huge huge artists yeah I've done really cool stuff I'd go off and do lots of cool fun things you know go to heaps of shows anyway yeah I did both so I did both for like all that time and yeah but I was managing journalists and I kind of think managing young journalists is quite similar to managing artists because both industries media and music there's a whole lot of similarities like you know at the heart of it is I guess an art form if, if you want to call journalism an art form or Broadcasting is an art form, I believe that. Um, there's ego involved, there's ambition, yeah. Yeah, emotions, drive, emotion, <laughs> yeah. long hours. You know, there's yeah. quite a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. The output is different. But yeah, when Nick, you know, took that plunge and I sort of saw, I was sort of always behind the scenes. I was still working in a, in, at MediaWorks, but I was still doing stuff for Nick Nick when it started. I got really excited by it. I think 
uh, I saw what Nick was doing and I think we went to a couple of video shoots and I'm not overly keen on publicity. Like I bring all my media knowledge to that publicity role, but Nick is certainly, you know, you have to be really um, (laughs) friendly and real kind of put yourself out there and just get out there and have a smile on your face. I'm a little bit more of a pessimist. I'm definitely (laughs) a behind the scenes person. (laughs) So I leave all that to Nick. You know, she's so good at it. Mm. I think that's the other thing, you know, you quickly learn where where you feel comfortable within certain roles. So I've always been the behind the scenes person. So that's why I kind of just naturally fell into the management side and that continued the publicity side. Yeah, those skills that I had as a manager in radio, you know, moving into music management felt kind of similar but different. And yeah, they're transferable skills, weirdly. Um, Yeah, mm. it's like music interest, but then just how important that communication, Mm. like that written word and actually Mm. like being able to understand like communication between Mm. things when, when it gets to... You yeah, know, the serious point of yeah. contracts and yeah, and music and careers as a musician and artistry. You know, I hate to bring terminology into it. It's actually quite well. It is largely innate. You know, you, you know when you've met someone who has X factor. Like you just know if you work in music, if you meet someone who has something, they just have it right. And then there are others that might not have it. That doesn't mean they can't be artists <laughs> and do well. But it's it's a hard thing to harness that. And then what do you do with it? I kind of feel like that's one thing that, you know, working in media for all those years, you just have this sort of sense of how, you know, how do you take something and you have to turn it into a brand because mm. it is a brand that people engage with without it seeming like you're doing too much extra work behind the scenes to make it engage, but you kind of do have to. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm. yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. Like, yeah. it's not like just saying, this person has staff actor, put them out the front and they'll everyone will just love yeah. them. Mm. Do they want lot, to turn up? Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of kind of stuff goes on behind that veneer and it's the same with telling stories in media and it's the same as being an artist and that comes down to, like, I guess a skill in management is that how do you work with an individual or a band to bring out the best in them? There's uh, something else there as a manager, that you have to be able to connect with that person mm. to enable them to do it. Yeah, to tell the, yeah, the story. The, and... the best managers are those in any role, right? Mm. If you've got a terrible manager, you're just going to be like, man, I hate my boss. I hate going to work. Mm. It's yeah. a drag. You'll be down. You're just like, what? Yeah. On earth? And we all know that from having jobs where you have hadn't, haven't yeah. had great bosses or even at school you enjoy you've what had a doing. great teacher. Mm. So. Imagine that, and you apply that to music, which is so personal and so creative. Mm. If you don't have the right guidance and the right management and the right kind of um, person behind you, I think it can probably be the same. And I don't know what that skill is. It's just something I think you do. Yeah, I think either people are leaders and managers or they're not, or, you know, and I just think it's good to, if you can identify that you have that or you don't. So I don't know that you can go and take a course on how to do it. You just got to do it? No. Mm. Yeah. And just go with the experience where it kind of leads you. Mm-mm. I think it's really cool. And, and you know, we can wrap up, I, I guess, going kind of full circle where it kind of comes back to it's it's the same idea that I see as 
you know, maybe you're at school and you have a really inspirational music teacher who, mm. you know, or an amazing English teacher who mm. makes you want to write. Or, exactly. You know, you yep. have some role model who takes you under their wing and says, hey, look, you know, come and check this out. The first time you get led into a radio station, oh, now yeah. I want to be, you know, yeah. now I want to be a radio announcer. Or, yeah. You know, there's there's always that <coughs> inspiring something that crosses over, but I guess yes. we've just got to keep keep going yeah, and, and be okay like if the yeah. if the direction changes yeah. it mm-hmm. might be like a really like beautiful change of direction yeah, yeah. that's you know? okay right and just yeah. I feel like just trust that things are going to work out the way they're meant to so mm-hmm. you know like don't stress about it it's like as long as you've got that passion or that goal inside of you whatever it is like if there's a spark mm. and it's to do with music then you know try different things and if it doesn't quite work out just trust that the right thing is waiting yeah that would I mean might sound airy fairy, but I feel like that's yeah. sort of the way things you, work. You can make mistakes because oh, everyone absolutely. makes mistakes. You learn from mistakes. And you mistakes. learn from those I mean, mistakes. You're like, oh, that wasn't mm. for me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, damn, I didn't do that right. But, yeah. you know, that's okay. There's very few that you can't come back from. Exactly. I, mean, I, I understand we are living in cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can, you know, you can make a mistake that might be harder to come back from. Yeah. But, yeah. but our generally, philosophy is, you know, there's very few things, you know, and also just own, you know, if there's something that doesn't enjoy go your doing, way, you just got to own it and mm. go, well, okay, well, you know, regroup. How do I get around that? And that's, that is tenacity and it's perseverance mm. and it's patience and it's all of those things. Mm. And I think, those are the things that really do stand you in good stead. If you 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 have a vision, you you do get there. It just takes some time. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out to come and have a chat to us. I can't wait to have a listen to the podcast <laughs> myself. Thanks, Reese. Uh, Sorry, you, for you the have rambling. to edit this. <laughs> ramble, ramble. Oh no, edits here. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Thank you very much. Yay, Thank you. Right. Thanks, Reese. Bye. You have been listening to The Way Through by Crescendo Studio. Your hosts were Reese Muir and David Hartley. Sound design and engineering by Reese Muir. Produced by Joanne Luxton. Crescendo Studio offers music, audiobook, and podcast production. And all proceeds fund youth music mentoring programs. 